All right, guys, we are back for another Hustle podcast episode. And today we have a guest, Ted Thatcher with Pine Brook Financial Group. And we're really excited because, uh, one, you're our first guest. So thanks so much for being <laughs> on the podcast. Um, and two, um, we're really going to be diving in into different strategies like of ways to kind of build passive income, um, kind of hear your background of how you see money, how you see wealth, how you see, you know, investing. So maybe give everybody a background, like what you do at your firm, you own it. Um, yeah. so you get to kind of start us off. <laughs> uh, no pressure. No, no pressure. pressure. My name is Ted Dodger. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, Faith, obviously it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, yes. what we do at Pinebrook is we help families retire confidently and our whole entire firm is really focused around specifically retirement planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we really typically help folks that are sort of near or in retirement. And what I want to get to share today is, um, well, a, a breakdown of maybe somebody um, who maybe is a little bit earlier on in the journey. You asked to talk about that. We can dive in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously it's an exciting journey to start a business and, and to yeah. grow. And we've seen a whole lot of that, especially the last five years or so, which has been a blast. Right. Did you got? Did you like always grow up in this background, like having this kind of lifestyle? Like, was I? I actually really don't know. Like, did your family like kind of inspire you? Like, what kind of inspired you to be in this role? That's a great question. So, very, very uh, uh, little of my family is in finance at all. Most okay. of my family, uh, my extended family anyway, is farmers in the Midwest, okay. and so uh, outside of hearing about the term yield as far as uh, crops. <laughs> We're not talking about the cornrows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, did, didn't, you know, uh, have a whole lot of, I guess, um, uh, natural financial direction growing mm-hmm. up. Um, I was very grateful to be around people that all, you know, started businesses and worked for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the environment I grew up on was a family farm. Okay. Uh, so, there's a fifth generation family grain farm that my family has run. And so wow. I tell a story a lot to our clients um, and when we do events just about how I really got started in the space. And, you know, uh, specifically, you know, uh, just these struggles that some members of my family have gone through when mm-hmm. it comes to, uh, you know, preparing for their own financial future. Right. And, and so, you know, when you kind of grow up with those types of experiences, it gives you sort of a passion to sort of see the other side mm-hmm. of that coin. And so, you know, we work with a lot of business owners just in general too. And while building a business is super exciting, sometimes it's hard to figure out what you do with, you know, that profit of that business. Right. And, you know, what it kind of comes down to, in my opinion, is everybody ought to have some kind of wealth strategy for their family. Mm-hmm. I know you guys focus so much on real estate. Yep. We do a whole lot in the financial markets. I really don't believe that there's any right or wrong there. Mm -hmm. I think it's just more of what do you feel comfortable with? What do you know? I'm a big believer that you want to invest in what you know. And I would tell anybody listening, you, when you invest in what you know, you want to be thoughtful about not trying to get too uh, uh, worried about getting your wealth done in the short term. You right. know, it's the you long hear, term. Exactly. And, and you know, it's so easy to say that. A lot of people say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but not nearly enough folks really are patient enough to put it into practice. Yeah. I mean, you've started a business. You know how uh, uh, how hard it is to get that sort of uh, like momentum. momentum going. Yeah, I remember. Always, <laughs> I was actually telling uh, one of my mentors, I was like, 
I would always like for every single like year, like go like, ah, like I just had a really good year. I don't know if like next year is going to yeah. be the same way. And it's like, just like you were saying, it's like this long term, like, you know, you, you build it, you let it grow, you water the crops, not to bring yeah, back yeah, the yeah. farming, <laughs> uh, you water the crops and, you know, you let it like kind of mature over time. And I think for your strategy, correct me if I'm wrong, like you see, you are kind of like building your blocks to like have more of like a long term um, nurture and play versus like the short term win, you know, in our books, that's kind Absolutely. of more like buy investment properties, hold it, hold have it, yeah. rentals, uh, versus the short term win would be like buy a property, flip it and, you know, move that money to somewhere else, you know, kind of thing. Absolutely. So I, I think, um, w- one, uh, person's name that always comes to my mind when mm-hmm. I think about this is a guy named Rick Guerin. Um, if, if you're not familiar with Rick's name, he was the I'll that to Dylan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he may be. He may be Flora. Um, but he is the third partner at Berkshire Hathaway mm-hmm. who is no longer a partner. So mm-hmm. he started with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger when they began Berkshire. And well, of course, Warren is a big long, long term investor, right? He's yeah. in his nineties and still says, We're thinking about the long term. You know, I'm like guy, <laughs> man, like, there's you're no 90. long term for you. Uh, <laughs> you got like um, ten years left. <laughs> um, but you know, of course, uh, Warren and Charlie have always said, you know, kind of get rich slow. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is exactly the point we're getting at here. And so Rick, back uh, in the early seventies, ended up leaving Berkshire because of all the volatility in the financial markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, he was forced to do so because he had been investing and trying to get rich really mm-hmm. fast. Right. He was buying stocks with a whole lot of margin debt. Mm-hmm. And so when the volatility hit, he had to, he got washed out. Basically, he had margin calls, he got washed out, and he ended up selling uh, all of his Berkshire Hathaway stock to Warren for pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, of course, now uh, Berkshire Hathaway stock is worth, geez, hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever it is today. Right. Um, and so I just think it's a, it, I mean, I'm going to get a big picture probably and put it up in my office of <laughs> Rick's face. <laughs> Don't be like Rick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you can apply that to anything. And so, you know, it, you have to be thoughtful about, you know, I think I think that perspective. To mm-hmm. me, that's just a, a, a great story and, and a really inspiring one when it, we just get reminded mm-hmm. to do things and be patient with them, especially when it comes to wealth building. And so, you know, a core tenet that I really, you know, emphasize with folks, uh, especially that are just starting their wealth building journey, is to, you know, operate with good financial principles, live on less than you make, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Whether that's investing in real estate or the financial markets. And, you know, I try to tell folks aspirationally, try to invest 20, 25% of your income. Mm -hmm. And so, focus, you know, the focus there isn't so much on trying to find the perfect investment. It's mm-hmm. focusing on your savings rate. Yeah. Um, I was actually uh, talking with uh, a, a real estate uh, investor in our community not too long ago, and he uh, had shared, you know, a story about his dad who has gone through a lot of ups and downs. He was in real estate as well. And he said he's watched people time and time again invest in real estate, you know, take some of their income, invest mm-hmm. it, but not have enough cash and so every time there's a market cycle, whether it's a 2008, 2009, or what we went gone through with COVID or interest rate hikes the last 18 months, you kind of seem to give all your profits back. Yeah. And the same thing happens with folks in the financial markets because literally, uh, Nick Murray talks about this a lot, but over 80% of real returns experienced by investors are determined not by the investment itself, 
but by investor behavior. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, basically making super emotional decisions and selling at an inopportune time when, you know, whether it's investing in the financial markets or real estate. Right. And so, um, you know, kind of coming back to my you know earlier point, though, if you can focus on, you know, trying to increase your income and trying to keep a, a really good savings rate, mm-hmm. that is going to give you the flexibility to actually be able uh, to, to build, build wealth. Yeah, yeah, to build wealth and to, to, to be able to take that patient approach, mm-hmm. which is what every um, every truly wealthy person that, you know, I certainly look up to yeah. has decided to do. I think I heard it like uh, one of our mentors, like, uh, you know, for real estate, obviously we get more of like a commission check. So it can be something like of a larger scale for some people that, you know, have like an eight to five job or something like that. And um, like his mindset was around like you have just the average people that make this amount of income underneath this percentage. Then you have like this wealthy person, then you have the rich people. And the more so wasn't so much the number behind it. It was like how people actually see the uh, like paycheck. Um, Meaning you're, if you're like underneath this percentage, you maybe see the commission check and you just cash it into your uh, savings account and you just live off of it and you you think you're really rich. And then as it kind of grows into like the different categories, it's like, wealthy people see uh, an $8,000 check, let's just say, and they'd start dividing it, like you're saying, into like a savings account, into putting it back into the business or reinvesting it. So it's not just $8,000 whole. It's, you know, oh, actually, it's $1,000 towards my retirement account. And then how does that trickle into like more, you know, accounts? And I think I think money as a whole, like, you know, it's it's interesting where like our economy, obviously things have risen in price and everything like that. And I know people feel that squeeze of like, how do I save when everything's so expensive? Mm-hmm. And I think like a couple episodes uh, prior uh, when we first kind of launched in, Dylan, Dylan and I were talking, it's just the idea for us, like we have like the mindset around like living, like you said, uh, living within your means, but like focusing, like what's the long-term play? Is it saving like to get to this point to invest in here? Or is it like, you know, I want to just live paycheck to paycheck with some people are totally comfortable with, you know? And I think, I think it's first, (laughs) I think it's first like understanding your mindset behind what money means to you. And how that money gives you the wealth to like want to actually have the desire to invest, build passive income, build a business, you know, put in a, you know, you know, market or real estate, however that looks like for you. I think it first starts with like a mindset of that, of understanding. So would you say like your background with like growing up with your family and like the farm industry, obviously that's very separate, like what you're doing now, you know? Uh, did you ever have a farm? <laughs> <laughs> I, not not personally, no. Although I, I've driven a lot of tractors in my life. Uh, you know, uh, do you ever desire to have a farm? Uh, um, you know, uh, if I told my wife we were going to start homesteading, I think uh, she would probably get out a, a, a bat and start hitting me. Uh, no, I, it's not. It, it's I guess um, yeah. I have a tremendous respect for it. Super yeah. grateful to grow up in that environment, but, but not not exactly uh, for that. me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So. With that being said, like uh, your background and kind of pushing into wealth, how would you tell somebody like somebody walks in, they just like the idea and concept of, you know, hey, I want to build something over time, but my mindset has never yeah. saw money that way. Like, how Where would you, you start? like how would you tell somebody to start posturing their mindset for that? Yeah. So we can get super tactical for a minute. So uh, when I say, hey, you know, uh, save and invest 
20, 25% of your income. A lot mm-hmm. of people out there are like, Ted, you sound crazy. Yeah. You know, uh, that's like super impossible for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, especially, you know, young folks, you're earlier on in your career, you're not earning as much potentially, mm-hmm. you know, as you even exit your twenties, a lot of people are starting families, yeah. you know, you got to buy the house, you got to... The American uh, dream. Yeah, well, the, exactly. The white picket fence, you have a couple kids and uh, all of a sudden, every time you turn around, you know, there's, you need to buy new diapers, new clothes, you got to buy a crib or, you know, there's a yeah. thousand things pulling at your wallet. And so you're kind of in that... Um, that that messy middle of life and mm-hmm. so trying to invest 25 percent of your income you're like dude what are you smoking yeah. yeah and so everybody just has to start somewhere and that's why i do like the financial market so so much because it keeps things really simple mm-hmm. and obviously when you invest in in securities in the stock market you can get really complicated really fast but i don't really think that that's um uh, the way it ought to be done especially when you're starting you want to keep things as simple as possible mm-hmm. and i would say uh, in that sense, building wealth is simple. Um, it, however, it, it's very hard to do, right? Mm-hmm. The discipline to actually do it is really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that the first step is, uh, you know, the methodology I really believe in is using index fund investing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Dylan and I have even talked about that a little bit in the past. And um, if, if you're unfamiliar with what index fund investing really yeah, looks like. like I'm three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so um, a lot of people have heard about like what a mutual fund is, right? And mm-hmm. so a mutual fund is basically just a basket of, of investments, right? Whether that's stocks or bonds. And they were really common. Um, well, they're really common today. But just in general, especially, you know, in the, the 80s and 90s, mutual funds really kind of had a, a fever pitch. And uh, if you're older listening to this, you probably remember like Fidelity's Magellan funds and Peter Lynch and, you know, mm-hmm. driving great returns. But the problem with a lot of mutual funds is they have pretty high uh, internal cost, pretty high fees. Um, the fund fees that exist in those kind of investments can be one or one and a half percent in some cases. Mm. And uh, so essentially a guy by the name of uh, John Bogle or Jack Bogle, he went by Jack Bogle his whole life started a tiny little company called Vanguard, if you've ever heard of Vanguard. Um, And uh, he created what are called index funds. And it drove essentially the cost of owning a mutual fund from that higher rate all the way down to basically nothing. And index funds today can cost as little as actually zero. Um, You know, uh, uh, Fidelity Investments, I believe, has zero cost funds for their clients. Mm -hmm. And uh, but even still, you know, most index funds cost almost nothing, 0.04% or 0.05%. And and when you can uh, simplify investing down to something as simple as um, you know, how much can I save? How much can I invest every month? Mm-hmm. And I mean, literally pretty much just focus on that as long as you have the right mix of funds. That means that you need to only think about one thing and just focus on the discipline is my point mm-hmm. there. And, you know, for, for somebody early on in their savings journey, um, the, the big three, the largest providers of index funds right now are uh, Vanguard Investments, Fidelity Investments, and Charles Schwab. And I'm a big believer too in, in kind of using um, a little bit of a glide path as far as risk goes over the course of time. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking for a place to start for anyone that's you know thinking about investing in their 401k even, a lot of 401ks uh, have offerings of index target retirement funds. Mm-hmm. So that aren't the uh, mutual fund version of, an, uh, right. of a target date fund, but an index, the indexed variety. And basically, 
that gives you a glide path for all the allocation. You don't need to think about what choices to make. You just put it in. And you just, hey, uh, you know, they, it's a target date, right? So you yeah. choose, hey, what date in the future might I want to retire? Yep. So you just say, how much? Tomorrow. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course. Um, but, but it's just, how much can I save? And then when am I going to retire in the future? When am I going to start to use the money? And until you reach, you know, I would say a net worth of, you know, having about 100000 250,000 mm-hmm. um, invested in a financial account uh, using that methodology is perfectly fine. It mm-hmm. keeps things simple. It keeps things low cost. You can do it yourself. Um, you can use that same methodology to invest in finance uh, for, for your kids, you know, college. So a lot of people we talk to are trying to right. do that. Um, but at least it gives you a place to start. Totally. You know, some people want to even go simpler than that and just invest in the S&P 500, the 500 largest companies in the United States. Other people like total market indexes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of options. Again, you could kind of go to those big three providers mm-hmm. and, and that's a good place to start. But if you can't do 20 or 25% to start out, you're in good company. Most people can't do that. Right. It's just, you know, start your wealth building journey somewhere. Let that compounding start to work for you. Um, you know, you put a you know, even $50 a month away and you just start to kind of go blind to what that, to that money leaving your account every month, then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in a couple months you could increase it to 75. Yeah. I always tell people like for like buying real estate, yeah. it, it, same way, like people are like, Oh, like, you know, I'm, I'm renting at like, you know, 900 bucks. And I'm like, well, unless you're putting a lot down, 900 bucks is not going to be achievable as like, you know, a realistic mortgage payment. So I totally. say like, Hey, like, you should start like living like you're, you know, basically paying a mortgage. So like mm-hmm. if it's 1800, like start paying a couple months at 1800 and see if you can do it. And if you can't, then, you know, maybe figure out what costs are, you know, frivolous stuff that you could cut or, you know, where you could add income um, or, you know, save more so that you can have more down to keep that payment lower. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's the same thing like you're saying, like, you know, start somewhere, st- see wealth and see savings, you know, in a way that gives you kind of like whether it's not 25% or if it's the $50 like method strategy. I think for some people, it's just like really understanding like what is what am I trying to achieve at the end of the day? And and that's the same thing we do with real estate. It's like, if you're buying, mm-hmm. like, why are you buying? Is it because you're, you yeah, know, needing purpose. a place to live purpose? Are you trying to invest in this? Like, are, is it going to be a rental down the road? Yeah. Um, and I think that really kind of sets people up. So wealth mindset. Um, I know we have like a lot of more tactics to kind of deep dive through. Um, what would you say like is the second? So I come to you and I say, yep, I can do 20 to 30%. Yep, yeah. I can start doing that. How long, obviously, would you uh, say like start right away or is it kind of like get kind of like a nest egg built up so you can kind of feel that comfortably? Like, do I have to invest all the time? Like, you know, what's kind of like the practical more strategy of the, I guess, time frame? Yeah, yeah. so, I mean, uh, whether you use any of the kind of specific funds we were just talking about, um, obviously the best time to start investing, most people would tell you is yesterday. And the yeah. second best time to do it is today. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if you're ready to get started, you know, you can, uh, you know, if somebody came into our office, we'd probably just open up uh, an investment account for them. Maybe an IRA, probably if you're younger, a Roth IRA makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of tax advantages to a Roth IRA. It grows tax-free. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or uh, or just a traditional brokerage account. So before in uh, retirement accounts were ever sort of uh, you know designated by the the government as having tax incentives, people just invested money in a stock account and a brokerage account. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, for for a lot of your audience, I imagine you know they're thinking, hey, uh, I don't want to just invest only in my four hundred one k that I can't touch without penalties until I'm. 59 and a half years old. Right. And so having um, a real conversation, not just about what we were talking about before, which is asset allocation, like how do I invest this money, Mm -hmm. but also asset location, Mm -hmm. where where you invest the money is like, uh, at least to me, a a premier talking point when it comes to how you think about your investments, Mm -hmm. because it has everything to do with the amount of flexibility you're going to have when you go to pull them out. Mm -hmm. Um, What you use them for, you mentioned, you know, hey, um, if if I was going to try to do a mixture of both, like at some point, if I wanted to take some money out and invest in real estate, Mm -hmm. if you're going to do that, you know, in your 30s or 40s, you probably don't want to use a traditional retirement account for uh, for those investments. Yeah. you know, there's just a lot of, uh, well, you're Strat- costing yourself yeah. that when it comes to the tax side of things and, and just penalties in general. And so, um, you know, uh, and obviously I'm not the first person to talk about that. That's totally. like, I think even Dave Ramsey talks about that. He basically parks a ton of money in the S&P 500 from what I understand. And then anytime he wants to buy a piece of real estate, he just goes and pulls from that and then, you know, makes his purchase. Um, and, and so asset location, I don't think... This is sort of a sidebar, but you hear a lot of financial advisors talk about asset allocation. Um, but in my opinion, anyway, not nearly enough for having that conversation about really asset location as mm-hmm. well, and and sort of the flexibility there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that fully answered the first no, part no, of your yeah, question. Yeah, but no, it did. It kind of like correlates with real estate too. It's like yeah. when you buy something, it's like where are you buying and why are you buying here and like what's the long term goal? Like to hold it, rent it, or you know what's a what's the end goal for it to, to offload it or keep it, you know? So I think that's like a huge part because I think people are like, well, I just, I'll just throw some money into an account, but then it's just like, okay, that's great. Like that's step one. You Mm -hmm. got the savings. Mm -hmm. You're able to do that. Now step two is like, what's actually the driving uh, practice. And I know that for us, we've changed our accounts. Like as our goals have changed, we've closed accounts and moved it to somewhere else. So that it's like, you know, we're maximizing as much as possible. Dylan, if Dylan was here, he would talk way more. Like, yeah. I'm just like, okay, let me just pretend like I know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, I think, you know, knowing that. So, um, I really think if somebody was trying to save, then figure out the location, um, you know, I think for a lot of like our audience, they're younger. And so kind of just wrapping around their mindset, um, what would you say like a really good person to like listen to, to kind of like be inspired by yeah. wealth and that mindset? So uh, I'll rattle off a few books. I okay. have like a small library in my office. <laughs> um, so I there's a really easy read um, from Tony Robbins actually called Unshakable. It gets uh, goes through a ton of the principles uh, and uh, that I was just talking about mm-hmm. before. Uh, really, really great starting point. Easy read. It's a couple hundred pages. Um, yeah. You could pick that up. Um, if you're kind of more the uh, the story type, mm-hmm. there's a great book called The Richest Man in Babylon or The Wealthy Barber. Mm-hmm. Um, those were written, you know, some time ago, especially The Wealthy Barber. You know, a lot of people had pensions back then, but really, really good principles. Um, and even, um, uh, uh, I think it's Morgan Stanley's book, not Morgan Stanley, uh, Andy Stanley's book, uh, The Millionaire Next Door. Mm-hmm. Um, 
just out, outstanding principles for taking a, you know, a normal American situation, a hardworking American situation and saying, hey, how do we get from where we are today to really reaching financial independence? Mm-hmm. Um, which is what this is all about, right? Giving yourself that time freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole movement, uh, of course, these days to talk about the FIRE community, financial independent, retire early. Mm-hmm. Um, but without those you know, core principles, you're not going to be able to reach that point, whether you're doing that in real estate or in the financial markets. Yeah. Well, I think we kind of scratched the surface and I'm excited because I think we're going to dive back again in um, kind of explaining maybe more so the tacticals. I'd love to hear, we're going to, you know, take a part two on this um, because I would really love to hear more of like how you built your business, your success and your failures for somebody who might be inspired to be in the financial world and kind of just maybe see your roadmap because I don't think people realize... uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Are you 29? <laughs> yeah. 29? <laughs> hey, I mean, it's a 30 club. Nice job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that, and it's something proud to be that, like, you know, you've hustled, no pun intended on our podcast, but um, you've hustled <laughs> through to, like, have a family, set yourself up for success, build a business. And I think I really want to dive deep in that in sure. part two of this. So um, tune in next week for part two. And uh, thanks for uh, joining us on the Hustle podcast. And we'll uh, catch you next week. Thanks for having me, Faith.